7.22 is the time. Four chilly degrees outside. A lot to chew on in that conversation with Bonnie Crombie, mayor of Mississauga. I mean, first of all, you have to kind of savor the moment. It's kind of historical. I mean, the amalgamation of Toronto was history and the de-amalgamation of Peel is history. But also, Bonnie Crombie was fairly categorical in mapping out what she thinks whatever considered debts might be to Brampton and Caledon. So we'll be talking with Patrick Brown this morning at 8, let's see, 8.20. He's going to be on the show. So we'll see, you know, what Mike Catherwood uh, just samples some of the figures that Bonnie Crombie was quoting, and we'll play them back for Patrick Brown and see if we can start a fight. Um, but then also... And I guess I was fairly pointed in my question to her, but I think this has to be considered. In granting status to Mississauga as a freestanding municipality and one of the most important cities in Ontario, is Doug Ford effectively saying, hey, Bonnie, why don't you run Mississauga and not take over the provincial liberals. And it's a kind of a compelling political argument. 723 is the time. And, you know, post-COVID, we've been talking an awful lot about what the downtown of Toronto looks like. And it was actually part of my conversation. I had a coffee yesterday with Anna Bailao, who is running for mayor of Toronto. And because I'm very much a downtowner, I'm always very honest about that. Um, but, you know, I live more or less downtown and I work downtown and almost my entire life is downtown. And one of the things we talked about was how very, very different Toronto is probably going to be post-COVID because people are never coming back in the numbers that they were at to the downtown. So does that mean we take an office tower and turn it into a condo complex? What does it mean for the Harry Rosen that is situated in the path? What does it mean for the food courts? What does it mean for, you know, everything from elevator capacity to all kinds of other issues? Fundamentally, things are changing post-COVID. Mary Rose, president and CEO of the Canadian Urban Institute, and uh, we bring her into the conversation. Mary Rose, nice to have you. Good morning. Good morning, John. How are you? It is chilly, isn't it? It is chilly, I know, and I, I don't know if you've had to be outside yet, but um, it's a bit bracing, let's put it that way. Okay, so let me start with the supposition I just offered, which was that it's never going to be the way it was pre-pandemic. Is that true? Yeah, I think that's true. But, but I mean, cities are always changing, always evolving and always adapting. And I think this is just another one of those moments. You know, if you think of the phrase that became so popular during COVID, this is time to pivot. And uh, the truth, that is true for every aspect of urban life. But particularly, I think, for downtowns, as you've suggested, you know, things won't go back to what they were. Uh, but that's OK. Cities, as I suggested, are live entities and they're organic and there's lots of opportunity. I'm sure that when you talk to Anna, she said the same thing. Lots of opportunity to yeah. rethink and reimagine how we use these great assets, which are the buildings and the public spaces and the different kinds of environments that we have located in our downtown towns and cities in Canada. Well, you're absolutely right, because yesterday, I think it was whatever, one day on the show this week, I was citing the game SimCity. 
And yeah. SimCity is all about, well, if you were to put a park here, what would happen to the place four blocks over? Um, so what do you see in our existing SimCity? What do you see as the future of the downtown in Toronto? How is it going to evolve? Well, again, I want us to think positively about this because we have assets in cities, built form assets that we that we have infrastructure. We've got natural assets. Toronto has an enormous set of things that make it unique on the water, good transit access across the region, um, interesting buildings that have been uh, acquired over time, built over time, lots of uses for visitors. So I think what we're going to start to see is rethinking some of those uses. And I think going forward, it's going to really challenge us, challenge the design and the planning community to be building buildings and planning buildings in the first place to be flexible so that they might be a living space at one period, but they might become a working space at another, or they might become a cultural space at another time. So I think we're going to start to see really imaginative uses, as you're seeing in Calgary, as you're seeing in other cities across the country, municipal government starting to get engaged in encouraging the development community and the and the business community uh, to think differently about how their spaces are being used. So that's already happening in the commercial sector, as you know. Now, there's a lot of hand-wringing over, for example, the path. I mean, what's the future yeah. of downtown commerce? Yeah, I mean, we have the same thing in the Western cities, except that their paths are elevated. Uh, the great thing about the path is it is a remarkable um, piece of connection. It brings people quickly into spaces in our climate, like today, where you want to be underground. And I think we have uh, a, a challenge to figure out how those spaces should be used. They used to be primarily retail and uh, a service industry stuff. Uh, food. Now let's see whether or not there'll be other kinds of activities that could go on. I think this would be a really great provocation to send out to the urban design world to say, well, how would you use the path differently? You don't, it's, you know, it's like a subway tunnel. You don't want to fill it in. It's a tremendous asset. So the question would be, well, can we use it for different kinds of purposes? I think there are also questions around cultural activities, recreational activities, public art, um, so what we would call swing spaces, spaces that could be used for one thing during the day and something different during the evening, uh, all the notions of the 24-7 city. I think all of that is going to come into play. And honestly, John, you know, we live in a really creative city with remarkable energy and instincts and ideas creeping around us all the time. So the question is, how do you unleash that? How do you give permission to try some things and do some things quite differently, including, as you just hinted at, if commercial spaces are going to be adapted, uh, do they need to be only for a particular kind of office use or can they be in, this was already happening before the, before the pandemic. Can they be made into collaborative spaces? Can they be made into spaces that are used temporarily by cultural groups? Can they be made into, believe it or not, spaces that could uh, enable uh, light manufacturing? I think there's all, maybe we'll have some urban farms down there. I just think there's all sorts of opportunity and we need just to be open to it and recognize that, we always need employment lands in cities. You always need places where people work, always. And when you say some people, you know, aren't coming down, more people, new people will come down because that's why you come downtown to have an experience with other folks. So we don't want to cut off our nose to spite our face. You know that expression. But at the same time, you want to be flexible and adaptive. Thanks so much for this. Good talking. Nice talking to you, John. Mary Rowe, president and CEO of the Canadian Urban Institute. And uh, yeah, I totally, sometimes I totally get off on a conversation we have on the show. And uh, I think she brings some fascinating ideas and proposals to the table. And one takeaway would definitely be that there's going to have to be a certain 
nimbleness and flexibility moving forward if we are going to recreate the cities downtown. So, you know, we're going to have to think about the fact that you could easily have people living and working in an office tower or, you know, that there's all kinds of creative thinking we're going to have to engage in. And so, you know, to come back to the conversation that and, you know, I'm, I'm talking today about Anna Bailau because she and I had a coffee yesterday. I'm sure the other candidates have thinking about this, but I found that she was very flexible in her approach to things like urban planning and in particular zoning. And I think that's what we're going to need moving forward in this town because everything is set to change. It's 7.30. Time for the half-hour headlines. Ashley Legasic is here. Good morning.